Hey, welcome to Beyond the Knife. We're your hosts, Jake, Katie, and Addie. Before we dive in, we received some questions regarding our podcast, so we wanted to answer a few. The first question was asked by our top viewer, Margiata467, and she asked, what are you about? So, as an overview, our podcast discusses murder cases and what goes on behind the scenes with media involvement and how that interferes with the investigation. We dive into the portrayals of the cases and if public responses are beneficial or harmful to the victim, perpetrator, and their sentence. All right. This next question is from Buckeye Nut Fan one two three, who asked, "What is your purpose?" Our purpose is to get people questioning the level of involvement the public and media should have in cases. In the end, true crime isn't just an entertainment source with gruesome facts. These are actually people with families and backstories. Speaking about backstories, I'll explain ours. We all took a true crime, true crime class in school together, and throughout the semester, we connected over the controversy of it. We wanted to dive deeper into the subject, and we thought, why not share it with more people? So today's podcast focuses on the question, does the good outweigh the bad in terms of consumption of true crime within media and public involvement? We will dissect different examples of publicized crime, such as Chanel Miller's case, the events that led to the arrest of the Golden State Killer, and the betrayals of killers in films. With true crime, there is no clear-cut answer as to its ethics. In some cases, media interaction can actually allow for public awareness on issues that aren't spoken about enough. Specifically, the Chanel Miller case gives victims of sexual assault a platform to speak freely about their experiences to educate and help others. All the facts and details about this are coming from the New York Times and Chanel's 60-minute segment. So, if you aren't aware of the case, Chanel Miller was visiting her sister at Stanford when a boy named Brock Turner, a swimmer at Stanford on a scholarship, sexually assaulted her behind a dumpster while she was unconscious. Chanel did not remember the attack, but when specifics of the case started to come out on the news about Brock, she realized she was the victim of his violence. Brock was sentenced to six months in jail, three years of probation, and had to register as a sex offender for life. However, instead of serving his whole sentence, he ended up only doing three months of jail due to good behavior. Once his case was publicized, it gained a lot of mixed media attention. When people heard of Brock's sentence, some of them were in outrage. They recognized how unfair it was for him to have a lighter sentence because of his future. People said that it doesn't matter if his future is ruined, he ruined Chanel's first. Others focused blame onto Chanel, saying she was asking for it. Today we call this process victim blaming, and it's the reason why a lot of people are afraid to advocate for themselves when they are put in such situations. As the National Sexual Violence Resource Center said, 63% of sexual assaults are unreported. Wow. Crazy. However, Chanel and her story brought women out of the dark to speak about what happened to them. Through her book, Say My Name, which is very popular, she said her personal experience with the case and how she was able to move on and reclaim her identity after being dehumanized countless times throughout her trial. It's in cases like the, these that we find public attraction to mostly with the ex- with the exception of nasty comments, benefit the victim and community surrounding them. All right, so we talked a lot about the facts and everything else, but what do you guys personally think about this? Um, like, it's oh, it's messed up. Like, I, I don't think he should have had, like, a lighter sentence as he did. Like, he didn't deserve it at all. Um, it, he definitely should have, you know, it should have been worse. Yeah, I remember when we first read about this and she asked, like, Miss Marjorie asked for her personal thoughts. You were... You were like, yeah. no way. Yeah, no. You were ready to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's really hard because someone like Chanel, she's such an amazing person. And I've actually seen segments of her books like on TikTok and stuff. And it's really nice to see her getting a platform. 
and people can experience through her and what she went through and not just the trial and the police and Brock and how his scholarship was turned away and how he was supposed to go on to the Olympics. But I think something that was a big issue is um, that Brock was stalked by the media and um, he got a lot of attention after this, but it's like people would like stalk him and read it and stuff, but it's like he was, he served his sentence. Mm -hmm. So was that okay? Yeah. So I kind of agree with everything that you guys said. I think personally, there's kind of like a silver lining in the sense that Brock's getting like stalked and people are finding him and publicizing his address. But at the same time, like you have to see like he did these crimes. Is it something that he kind of deserves at this point? Like you kind of put this on yourself. Mm -hmm. But I do think that like although the circumstances were horrible, that Chanel having such a platform actually allows for a lot more people to come forward, as we said before. So although it's horrible, I think that her advocating for herself allowed for a lot of other people to do the same. 100%. I think this is a really good way to see the media in a positive way because she got this platform and allowed herself to speak up in a way she was comfortable with. So while this case may have swayed you to think true crime consumption is ethical, let's dive into one of the most talked about and controversial serial killers of the day. Guess, who is it? Mm, I wonder. Jeffrey Dahmer. (laughs) So we're not going to go into too much detail um, of his murders or his punishment, but instead focusing our attention on on how the film industry interprets him for entertainment and financial gain. If you weren't aware, which is rare i think everyone kind of knows at this point netflix made a series called dahmer which goes through his life and his murders according to verity.com the show hit the trending tv chart immediately with close to a million engagements on twitter in just the first week the most controversial thing about the show is the actor who play who portrays dahmer evan peters he's known in hollywood for his acting but also his good looks because of this evan drew a lot of attention to the series but not in the way you would expect Immediately, people started glorifying Dahmer and sexualizing his killings. Sexual edits, fan fictions, and comments were made that were pretty disturbing and harmful. Dahmer's victims still have families that that had to not only deal with the resurfacing of the case, but also these gross fantasies and glorifications. Um, Netflix was not suffering at all, though. Uh, It was the most used streaming service by far for the week of September 23rd of 2022. Um, They made about $300 million from this series alone. Also, the series seemed to focus a lot more on Dahmer, his life, and backstory rather than his victims. Dahmer could have been caught multiple times, but due to his privilege as a white male, his victims mostly being underclass black teenage boys, he was able to get away with it. And this was really highlighted in the series, and it was a huge part of his criminal story, and I think the fact that the TV show didn't even touch on it shows what they were trying to do. Like, they were just trying to get a lot of views. So, guys... How is this okay? You have Netflix sitting back with 300 plus million dollars and Golden Globe nominees while these families have to relive the most painful moments of their life. All Dahmer really did, the show, what it did was make people obsessed with a murderer and cannibal and someone who used black teenage boys to get away with something so horrible. And some people even dressed up as him for Halloween. Like I saw people dressing up their babies, their dogs as him. Like, it was disturbing. Crazy. Some crazy stuff. I mean, hearing after hearing all this, I just don't get how shows are able to do this and produce anything along the lines of this. Um, But in the future, should shows like like this be um, more focused on the victims? Should some of the money go to the victims' families? Like, how should the victims be involved? So 
Honestly, I watched two episodes of Dahmer before I got so grossed out. It was too gory and everything. It just very much like dehumanized the victims and made them seem like a little ploy in the show and like get people's attention. And after watching, I don't remember any of the victims' names, even like reading countless articles, watching YouTube videos. I cannot recite one and maybe that's just my own fault, but I think the TV shows don't do enough to portray victims and say their names and really give them the attention they deserve after being like after dying to such horrible like hands. Mm-hmm. Um but I do think that TV shows should be able to sh- like first get family approval. Like if families are asking you please don't do this, please don't dehumanize my child that mm-hmm. died. I think the most respectful thing you can do is be like, okay, let's not do that. But the fact that people are so money-driven kind of shows like how the industry shouldn't even be producing this in general if they're not going to even consider people's families and like the like the simple terms of this. So honestly, at this point, I think true crime and Netflix and all of that they shouldn't continue if they're not going to get consent and if they're only money-driven. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I watched the full Dahmer thing, full Dahmer series, and. I remember before I watched it, I saw a TikTok saying, really try to focus on the victims, not Dahmer. Because you know Dahmer, you know his story, everything. Focus on the victims. And I went and I'm like, I'm going to focus on them. Can't remember one victim's name like you. And I don't think it's our fault. I think it's the way Dahmer was portrayed by Evan Peters, mm-hmm. how the series spent 95% on him. And it's it's not our fault. It's Netflix's fault. And also, Netflix, if you're watching this, why couldn't any of the money you made go to any of the victims' families? Yeah. Because I know they're they 100% saw this and saw their their family being betrayed in a Netflix show, but it focusing more on a cannibal killer that killed their own family. Yeah, I'm just gonna preface something before we continue. I think the fact, like honestly, Evan Peters, I think he doesn't really have fault in this. Rather yeah. more. Yeah. Netflix and the whole company they hired him sure he could understand there was an ethical issue but like even now they say that he still has scar like emotional scars from playing Dahmer and like he'll never be the same and so I like a lot of backlash has gone on him but I don't think as an actor he kind of deserves that I think it's more the production company and how they edited the TV exactly so why is it ethical if you have actors who are traumatized and in therapy for this you have families who are traumatized like the only benefit is the money that netflix is gaining but like do you need more money literally you don't (laughs) so i completely agree i think that we need to pay you know more attention to victims in general because you know netflix is just producing a show for people to watch but this is really re-traumatizing you know um, the victims families and everyone who's been impacted by this and i really don't think they take that into account when they produce something like this and just like how detrimental it could be to a family. So I, I, you know, completely agree with the, you know, giving some money back or at least, you know, talking to them and getting their opinion. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. So we first talked about how media interactions gave Chanel and sexual soul victims a platform. Then we discussed how media depiction can stir attention away from the victims and point all attention on the murderers. However, we have yet to discuss the effect public attention has on cases that are left unresolved with no justice brought to those killed and their families. When the media gets a hold of open investigations, a lot of people try to crack the case themselves. These people are referred to as sleuths. So, the best example of a sleuth that I can think of is Michelle McNara. Michelle was the woman who solved the case of the Golden State Killer, mm-hmm. who was a serial killer, rapist, and more. 
Uh, instead of focusing our attention on his crimes, rather, the most memorable thing about this case, in my opinion, and I think in everyone else's too, mm. is the effort Michelle put into the case to Crazy. catch the killer and put him behind bars. I mean, in my opinion, I think she, this is kind of a hot take, she single-handedly brought justice to his family. 100%. I agree. Um, you know, after and after she would tuck her daughter to sleep, Michelle would go to her kids' playroom and investigate. She would look through all the information she found or was given, some of which, you know, by old cops. Um, and she was able to connect a lot of things back with this case. As she dove deeper into the murderer, she was able to find it by tracking down a website he used to sell his trophies um, from his scenes. So, you know, some crazy stuff. Yeah. After purchasing a pair of cufflinks, she was able to find his name, which she reported to the police. It wasn't long after the Golden State Killer, Joseph D'Angelo, was arrested and charged with 13 counts of first-degree murder and 13 counts of kidnapping. After hearing about this, I question what would have happened if Michelle had not investigated, or what if she gave up? Like, would D'Angelo still be running free, living like a guilt-free life, just going murder after murder, trophy after trophy? Yeah, so, honestly, when we heard about this, we heard of it as a cold case. Yeah. Like, no one could understand. It was several years. I couldn't tell you that amount exactly, but several years after the case, cops weren't really looking into it anymore. And so I think Michelle, if she wasn't looking into it, the case would have never been solved. I think she was the one that brought it to, to light again, resurfaced it. But I also think, which is something I said, kind of an issue that she had here, is the fact that with doing this, with purchasing cufflinks, with doing that, she basically gave d'angelo all her information and her daughter's information and her husband's information. yeah she basically like leaked her own address and everything to a serial killer and a rapist and a robber you know who goes after i'm pretty sure little kids yeah a big part of his like, yeah, like a little attacks. double whammy right there like she really did everything so i think that it's amazing what she did but i do think there were some issues that she didn't really look because in the end this isn't a game murderers yeah. like it's a big case. It's like if you go to Target and get cracked this mystery case games, like that's what I'm doing. I'm not going on like I'm not going online and finding serial killers and giving them my address and emailing them being like, "Hi, what's up?" Exactly. Like I'm not their pen pal. Like no, I want to save myself. I'm not I'm going to yeah. save my family. This she kind of looked at it too much from a standpoint where she's not going to get hurt, but in the end, if you're purchasing cufflinks, giving your address, giving money, you're kind of at risk. Exactly. All right. And so yeah, like completely agree um and you know the story highlights what media can do for a case and how you know people at home who are curious and interested and want to help out can really make an impact and how their hard work can pay off and as much as it is a dangerous thing as you had said i also think it's interesting to see that regular people who ha know nothing have no background and things like this are able to go out and solve something like this so. yeah her determination in this was crazy and i after reading about this i thought about it i was like what if they never call her? Because the police were kind of done with it and didn't have any leads, and it was scary to think about. So this is a situa situation where sleuths clearly succeed, but it would be honest of us to only show you a positive side of sleuths because there's a lot of negative. A lot of people who are curious about these cases like to make podcasts discussing these topics. So kind of to bring this up... Um it's kind of out of here, sorry. I didn't inform you I'm going on this little rant. Um, we kind of heard a lot of stories about podcasters and how they kind of resurface this case and say, oh, this wasn't natural. Like someone hurt them, someone killed them. And I'm like, not specifics. This is just in general because it's happened multiple times. But it kind of, I guess, 
Jake said before about like resurfacing trauma that Dahmer did. Facts. Making podcasts can also do this. And although you're trying to help, you're trying to make something happen. Like there was this one woman who made a podcast about a girl who got in a car crash and said, no, this was unnatural. Someone killed her. And it was months. The family was involved. And she found out it was just natural causes of the car crash. So, yeah. so honestly, it can be harmful to try to go and dig into cases when you don't really know everything. Mm-hmm. And you could look this up at home yourselves to see specific examples of this. But I just wanted to mention that because yeah. sleuths 100% don't get it right. No, mm-hmm. they rarely do. The Golden State Killer, it's so popular, obviously, because of her work. But Because yeah. when is this ever going to happen? When is the average day person who does murder mysteries in her daughter's playroom gonna actually catch a killer <laughs> yeah true yeah um after exploring multiple instances where true crime has been publicized is it a good thing for our society for people to be so involved in something so dangerous yeah so it's clearly very very tricky there's no clear cut and dry answer and it's hard to just say yes or no And these examples, I think, really do show it. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of back and forth arguments, and I don't think there's ever going to be a full agreed on answer if you could just boycott this whole genre and media, like, publication of it. Yeah, so before we kind of made this episode, I feel like we fully came to agreement that although it's hard to decide if true crime being publicized is a good thing, we kind of think that it is good. Yeah, Yeah. and most you shouldn't just, like, stop doing it. So I think there's ways to prevent it from becoming harmful to the public. Shows like Dahmer should focus way more on the victims, as we talked about. And this immediately takes attention off the perpetrator and stops people from glorifying them. Mm -hmm. And these people can then respect the victims and see what their families go through rather than it being all about Dahmer, being all about the murderer. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And definitely do not go out sharing your theories, especially if you have nothing to back it up with. Um, this can be harmful to everyone and can lead to so much more confusion. Um, if there's any unsolved case, though, people do have the right to look into it and have def- and and be detailed and careful. Do not overstep boundaries, though. No, do not go on a podcast and say you know it and <laughs> this is a compa- conspiracy theory and you are right because I bet you will not be successful. But if these things happen, the true crime genre, genre can become way more beneficial to the public. But the issue is can they just do this like what is society netflix and these podcasts are so focused on money Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to just stop doing these things that get you the most attention saying you know who killed oj simpson or you or like unleaked footage of dom or like stuff like that is going to get you way more click clicks than paying like tribute to one of Dahmer's victims so that's why it can be really tricky yeah so Hopefully, you know, as we go into the future, later into 2024, as the true crime genre grows, I hope people can like sway away from the killings, conspiracy theories, and perpetrators. And I think we all agree, again, that true crime overall is a positive thing, although it has multiple negatives. And there is ways that maybe in the future. Yeah. And I think in the end, if it can help save a life, raise awareness, or bring justice to victims, it's worth it. 100%. Yeah. Um, I think that people need to recognize humanity again. We cannot re- we cannot treat others as if they're pieces to a larger puzzle. Puzzle. I think erasing the genre as a whole erases its potential to honor victims, say their names, and provide awareness to stop these crimes from happening in the first place. Exactly. So, the next time you sit down to start a new true crime documentary or binge a show about a notorious c- serial killer, think beyond the knife. Focus on the victims whose lives were forever altered. Focus on the justice justice they should have gotten or didn't get. 
focus on what could be done to prevent something like this happening again. Thank you guys so much for listening.